1984 has been a tough year. Our sales are down, our growth is down. Sonny, I brought you in here to grow the basketball business. People don't know what the hell a Nike is. What's a Converse? NBA all-star shoe. There's nothing cool about Nike. You would have to have a pretty compelling pitch. I can tell them the one thing the other companies can't compete with. Our basketball division is terrible. I do not love it. This is where you come up with a brilliant idea that no one else can see. Let's hear it. I got it. I found him. Who's that? Jesus? Can't afford it. I'm willing to bet my career on one guy. My name's Sonny Vaccaro. I'm with Nike. Do you typically make it a habit of showing up at people's front doors unannounced? I don't like to take no for an answer. Oh, man. Da, 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 da. You sound insane. You realize that? Yeah. The whole world got crazy. Seriously? It's showtime. We take a break from the spring and early summer blockbusters of 2023. For an early dad movie of the year candidate, it's Matt Damon. It's Ben Affleck. It's off screen Michael Jordan. It's air. I'm your host, Brian Gill, joined as always by my illustrious and just incredible co-host, Ken Pearson. Thanks. And Richard Martin. Oh, that was just for Kent. Just yeah, the illustrious you know. and incredible was for Kent, and then uh-huh. and then this guy, hard yeah. semicolon, and Richard Barton, <laughs> also in attendance. Yeah, Richard Barton, got it. Yeah, I'm the only person here that's not a dad, but this is mm-hmm. a big year for dad movies. A lot mm, of contenders nice. for dad movie of the year already on the yeah. docket. We got this one. We got Indiana Jones, a Mission Impossible coming out yeah. soon. Yeah, it's gonna be big. Yeah, mm-hmm. John Wick with cool dads. You know, I mean, it's uh, yeah. Tried to get my dad into John Wick. Still hasn't seen him. I'm like, I've been telling him for years. I'm like, man, you'd really enjoy these. And he's like, yeah, I know. And he just never has. Still hasn't. We, were, we went to uh, Lindsay's, Lindsay's aunt's house for Easter. Mm-hmm. And her aunt is go? like a, it's fine. It's Good. fine. It's, it's, uh, <laughs> share more off the air. But no, no, <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it was totally fine. But her, her aunt is like, uh, uh, very well put together, like mm-hmm. psychologist, like counselor, like all this stuff. And they immediately were like, have you seen John Wick 4? We saw it. It was awesome. We loved it so much. It's like, oh, oh good okay. Look at you guys. You guys party. I like it. So, yeah. Uh, this one's going to be tough to top, though, from a from a dad mm-hmm. movie standpoint, I feel like. Um, yeah, not since Ford v. Ferrari. <laughs> yeah, seriously. Or maybe that seriously. one where Tom Greyhound. Uh-huh. Greyhound was on was demand, like, though. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, true. That's I don't true. know. Ma- Top Gun Maverick felt like the true dad movie of all time. Yeah, I feel like I feel like Top Gun Maverick. It broke like, out of it, just the dad yeah, exactly, hole, exactly. It, it was it was too big to be a dad movie. It definitely satisfied like. the dad quotient. Yes, that's for sure. Yes, but like it yeah. also had a broader appeal. So yeah, it worked I, for right. everybody. Yeah. yeah, it worked for everybody. Everyone was uh, a dad that day <laughs> when they saw Top <laughs> we're Gun. All Maverick. dads. Yeah, thirteen-year-old yeah. girls were like, "Today I am dad." Yeah, I'll fly that jet to Mach Ten, baby. Was it wrong? Right, right. Julianne Moore is a mother to us all, but but on <laughs> yeah. this day, we are a exactly. father to She's all. A, yeah, so. absolutely. If <laughs> Sunday be, was she'd any be great in Top Gun Three if they can't get Connolly. Yeah, yeah. She needs one of those. Her. She's been doing yeah. too many many downer movies. We need like a Julianne Moore in a Top Gun. <laughs> sure, sure. I'd be down. I'd be down. Um, go ahead, Kent. If right. Sunday was any indication, this one's going to do well. For a while, this dads. one's been out for a long time, and my com- theater was completely sold out. Wow! Like a random three o'clock on a 
Sunday. So that is prime time for dad. That is. That's exactly. 7.30 on a Friday for dad. And this but thing's I... <laughs> four weeks old. This thing's going to dad so hard. And it already is. Yeah, it does go to Amazon soon, though, I think. Because it's Amazon yeah. Studios. So that might. But true, d- will dads know how to get it? So they might just keep <laughs> going to the theater. I don't know. <laughs> it's true. You uh, you better pounce on this now, dads. We don't know. We don't know what's going <laughs> to yeah. happen. Uh, what's going to happen from here? My my screening was pretty was pretty full too. Um, there were I had a couple of friends who were like, "Hey, I want to go see that." None of the none of the theaters near us had a screening that was at a good dad time for us. It was like I need post bedtime, but not ten thirty mm-hmm. at night. Right. Um. So I ended up seeing eight forty five to nine thirty. Yeah, something much. something in that sweet spot would be yep. great. And uh, could dad not o'clock. <laughs> dad o'clock couldn't get. Couldn't get one of those times, so I end up seeing. But I, I too had a pretty, had a pretty full theater. There was, there was. Uh, <laughs> Can you guys have two showings a day, eight forty-five at night and five forty-five in the morning? Because that would be ideal. <laughs> one of those two would be great right. for me. Right. This ten thirty thing, not great to be yeah. honest. Um, Literally, you can but... have the whole afternoon to yourself. <laughs> but I need, I need either roll in here. I'll scan my way in. That's fine. You don't need to have any employees. That's right. Yeah. You can trust me. I'm a dad. Yeah. <laughs> or 845 at night. And that's it. I'm here to see air. Okay. Like I'm not going to steal anything. We're going to be fine. It's going to be fine. Um, this movie. Let's, let's start talking about the movie. I would say. Yeah. The, what is it? The fifth, the fifth directorial effort of one Ben Affleck. Mm-hmm. Um, it repairs Damon and Affleck. Obviously, they were together for the last duel. That did was not, that that's actually the last new, year? Yeah, that's the new Indiana Jones four. Okay, let's just <laughs> you know, not that it's that awful, but like, right? This should be the the reunion. Let's the just reunion. pretend that didn't okay. happen. I like that. I like that. Um, we can we can retcon that. It works for me. Just um, that, you don't have to say it didn't exist. Sure. Just say it came out in twenty twenty four. Let's just retcon okay. the date. No one will know because right. no one saw the movie. And no <laughs> exactly. One will see in 20 years, we'll be like, oh, yeah, that's right. They did air <laughs> and then they got back together for that. That was all right. That last little movie. And then we're good. <laughs> that's good. That's a good point. Um, Kent, general thoughts on air. Man, I was looking forward to this one on paper for a long time. Mm-hmm. You know, because you, you're a dad. You, you don't do, use a computer. Yeah, all you got to do is say, sports industry movie and i'm in yeah. uh, i don't care mm-hmm. what the subject matter really is i love sports business type stuff we, you know obviously work in it for uh, my nine to five so seeing hollywood's interpretation of any kind of dabble in this realm always interests me so you throw ben affleck into there you throw matt damon into there we've got freaking viola davis we got freaking jason bateman Along for the ride, it, it, it's a Chris pretty Tucker, awesome cast. After a while, we haven't seen him mm-hmm. in a bit. Yeah, yeah Chris Tucker, yeah. Uh, you know, pretty awesome cast. So I was very intrigued, and then I saw the trailer, and I was like, "Oh no, awful Same. trailer!" One of the yeah. one of the one of the worst trailers. It, it was, uh, it felt like a bad History Channel movie. It felt like the Ashton Kutcher, Steve Jobs movie, or something like that. Yeah, I was like, I just way. hope, hope this is not the case. And uh, I saw the reviews. Reviews are good. I go and sit down. I'm hoping for the best. And I love this. Yeah. Okay. I got to admit, I, I had like some, 
overall issues with the direction. Like, you know, obviously that could have been better, I think, but Mm -hmm. like I had a freaking great time with this. Never once was bored. And it was just people talking in rooms for two hours about (laughs) sports business. And it was so entertaining. Loved it. Thought this was one of the most charismatic, endearing Damon performances in a long time. And that character is not that endearing. Right. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. So the car is like, so like that's all Damon. But you have to, to be the protagonist in this, you have to sympathize with him somehow. And for him to do that. It's on true events. It's not totally true. Right. You know, it's like, okay, that's fine. For sure. What if Sony Vicaro was in a sleaze bag? Right. Yeah. Now here's our movie. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Right. Yeah. So I thought I was I thought Damon just there's a few moments in the movie that I was just floored at him and I thought overall the script was great. Mm-hmm. Um, I can see why this got made based on uh, the page. Mm-hmm. And well, they I rewrote there it. Was like four, three, cool four story. moments in the movie that just really hummed. Sure. And you know uh, maybe stuff in between that was a, a little rough at times. This is set in the '80s, so you're dealing with that, but. I was really impressed with what was on the page and the performances in this movie were, were just really outstanding. So, mm-hmm. um, mm-hmm. that, that's my general thoughts, Brian. Okay. But you are Yeah. Exact same lead up to Kent, honestly, but I wouldn't even say I was looking forward to this. I did not know this was a thing until the trailer. I don't think mm. maybe just a weird dark spot on my, you know, maybe cause I had a kid, Late last year, like kind of just wasn't as up on stuff. It, I, know I will say, in, I mean, regardless of you having a kid last week, yeah. you really let us down with that one. But um, mm-hmm. the Sorry about no, that. The, the this was a really fast lead up. Yeah, they it like was. Shot this it wasn't. Like, yeah, it was announced. It was yeah. shot. Here's the trailer, and it was. It felt like a one month span in which all like of as soon as they announced happened. it, the trailer was out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. It was a very quick thing. Yeah, for sure. Um. Cool story, not just the Michael Jordan part, but the this art is equity thing that Damon and Affleck have started the production business. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you saw Kent the the story about the script. So this yeah. was a blacklist script. Yeah, um, I had heard about that. Yeah, that's how I've been following this. Yeah, and seeing but oh, they, there's this Michael Jordan Nike yeah. script out there. I hope it gets made. And yeah, but so they, I've been following this, especially Affleck. They met with Michael Jordan in like the Chris Tucker and. And Viola Davis characters did not really exist in the script. Mm-hmm. So they met with Michael Jordan. They're like, who were the key port- people in your in this story? And he was like, yeah. Howard White and, and my mom. Mm-hmm. And, and Viola yeah. Davis. To play and George Raveling, the, the Marlon Wayans yeah. character. And so yeah. Affleck went and rewrote the script. I mean, really as like a, in most things, this would be a co-writer. Mm-hmm. Then they shot the whole thing with the, with the writer on set. And the, he, the writer tells this really cool story. It was like, um, which I love that was like, yeah. you know, I, I heard this is what happens. You know, you're an F this was a, you know, a spec script. You're an F list writer. A couple A list people come in. He was like, they were making all the right decisions, but it was no longer my script. You know, it was like, I get why you're doing this, but this is not it what had I had written by just him on there. Well, that's the thing. And so at the very end of the movie, Ben Affleck had a meeting with him. He goes, Hey, we're not going to arbitrate this. This is your movie. Mm-hmm. And people did us a lot of favors when we were on the way up and we're going to do the same for you. That's and so he came awesome. out and publicly said it, which is like really cool. So That's like really, really cool. this is like a Ben Affleck script with like his sort of this guy's kind of part, part partial outline. Yeah. Yeah. From what people even he has said, but it's like really cool that yeah. they like took That's care a, of that guy. Man, I, Ben Affleck does all the right. I feel like he does yeah. all the right, says all the right things publicly. I, I, 
I, I love that guy. Um, it was just cool that Affleck and Damon didn't tell that story. Like the right. Yeah, exactly. He was exactly. like, these guys took care of me. Like they were. And he knows that like, dude, where I'm at my career, what is mm-hmm. these points going to matter? Yeah. In, right. In the big grand scheme, but compared to what it's going to matter to this guy. You know? Exactly. That, that is so cool to, to do. And to even think to do that. With right. all you got going on is yeah. is amazing. Because I think with Goodwill Hunting, I mean, I think that's def- it's not the stupid thing where like Kevin Smith wrote that movie, like that was the right, right conspiracy theory at the time. But I'm sure they got a ton of notes from people. They talk about Rob Reiner's impact on that script, and you know, it became like a spy drama at one point. If you guys remember Goodwill Hunting, yeah, yeah, yeah. And they were just like, no, it should just be the guy like figuring his stuff out. The first act of the movie should be the movie, and but it was still an Affleck and Damon script, so I think they remembered that, and Affleck paid it forward. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a really classy way. Anyway, I love that story. I think it's really cool. Anyway, the movie, yeah, I was so I saw the trailer. I remember sending it to you guys, going woof. But I did make the note. I was like, this. You did. You were ahead of. You were ahead of the. the I don't know if I was ahead. I just yeah. took a shot. I was like, this could be a really hard R, and these are the only lines in the movie that are. PG, so they put them in the trailer and it's awkward. Right. But I doubt it. I wasn't like sticking to that. But I happened on the five percent get right, and mm-hmm. and that's totally what it was. It was like it was just to <laughs> this... put the exposition in the trailer and right, it was bad sure. exposition at the beginning. And mm-hmm. yep. once you get past that, it this thing really sailed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really did. And, and uh, those notes from Michael Jordan and the stuff Affleck added around, um, you know, Howard White was great, and mm-hmm. and all the stuff with with. Um, with Dolores Jordan was, was awesome. So mm-hmm. that's, you know, I, not to re, re repeat press tour tidbits, but like Matt Damon's had the great line when Mike, he, Matt, Ben Affleck said, he's got one note. He says that, uh, Viola Davis should play his mom. And Matt Damon was on the phone with Affleck. And he goes, that's like saying Michael Jordan should be on my basketball. <laughs> that's, that's great. That's a good line. Yeah. Speaking um, of the press tour, did yeah. you, did you hear, Chris Tucker and uh, Affleck talking about Chris Tucker. He's like, man, this guy knows everybody. Yeah, I called like, him up. I he's know like, Howard hey, I want White. you to. Yeah, I want you to play this guy Howard White. He's like, oh, I know Howard. He's like, what? <laughs> he just knows the, the amount of the Rolodex. Yeah, of Chris Tucker is is incredible. No, absolutely, and uh, yeah, no, but it, this delivered. You know, right again. These are the kind. of Every once in a while, we'll get a comment which are fair, and then sometimes they're not fair. Where they're gonna get where, you know, on the podcast review or whatever they're like these guys all share similar tastes so it's like they're mm-hmm. not gonna argue about stuff and that's sometimes not true in this case it's very true like all three of us are very interested in sports business mm-hmm. and all the we all know a lot of these characters and follow this so like right. this is, we are definitely in the target audience for this for sure yeah. I don't think that matters because I think this movie really executes outside of this. But I, I'm definitely I, is one I certainly would have brought pre kiddo. I would have brought Sarah to because I, I think mm-hmm. she would like it. Yeah. I didn't because you know someone's got to stay home. But like I'm interested in like the Sarah test on this because she couldn't care less about this kind of stuff. But I think she'd love it. So yeah, same. Anyway, I was Brian, hoping. You, yeah, I was hoping Lindsay and I would be able to see this together. Same thing because it's a this is a human interest story in a lot of ways. Right. Um, as much as anything, and like the only thing that Lindsay cares about with sports ever is like hard knocks or something like that, and so. Um, this would have, I think probably would have fit the bill, but we couldn't, couldn't make it work. Yeah. But, but uh, you're right. Like we are on the target audience for this, but also it's 91 and 98% on Rotten Tomatoes right now. So I don't, I don't think that, uh, it's not like, I don't think we have, you have to be too inside, uh, to, to get why this is a, a good movie and why it's well-made. You mentioned it, Ken, it's, it's, it's a lot of people in room talking and I love that. <laughs> I like movies like that. Um, 
I don't know how often spec scripts get made anymore, but it doesn't feel like very often for sure. And it, it sure was cool to read that story and, um, and to hear the way that this was, t- that even that this guy, Alex, uh, what's his name? Alex, uh, Coventry. Am I, let's make sure I'm, uh, Co- Convery. Sorry. Co- Convery, Convery. Yes. That even he was like, I was hoping that the very, that I was going to get a story by credit, mm. you know? And it turns out he, how often, again, do we see a movie that has one writer on it? Um, mm-hmm. It's accredited anyway. So and also, it was really cool. How often do we see a movie like this just go straight to Amazon Prime? Yeah, for the fact sure. That this was theatrical only for over a month is is amazing. Yeah. We always want low budget, smaller, mm. more interesting pop culture type stories to get made, and it's just like, well. The ceiling is too low uh, theatrically for those. And we're like, no, if they're good, I think people will talk about them yeah. and see and them. It and becomes, I think this guy kind of proved that. Well, it's kind of that hybrid model too, right? Like this costs $70 million. That's a lot of money for a two-hour thing on your streaming platform. But if you could make $50 million of that back, mm-hmm. maybe $20 million is not a big right sure. investment yeah. for a big tentpole thing that's going to bring a lot of people over to Amazon Prime. Mm-hmm. Amazon's interesting because like it's not something that people turn off month to month, right? Because right? they have the right. annual model, and it's like some people you know they have it with Prime and things like that. So they have a kind of interesting thing. Like they want to have these big temple releases, but it's not like people go, ah, I'm not going to have Amazon Prime for March because there's nothing else coming mm-hmm. on. Like sure. that's kind of an annual decision, yeah. mostly based on shipping. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, so anyway, but that's kind of but they have they have made. Amazon Studios made a lot of really good movies, mm-hmm. and this this is a, a a cool one too. So it, it's interesting that this kind of hybrid model of we're going to try to make some of this budget back to make it not a stupid decision to right. then put this on our right. on our streamer for a few months. Yeah, in a perfect world, this is a fifty million dollar movie. Um, I think that makes yeah. it a huge success kind of thing. Um, mm-hmm. And instead. I love the hybrid model too. I'm with you. And obviously some of the money is spent on the talent. They've got uh, totally Chris Messina is the seven and not that Chris Messina is like a huge household name or something, but right. that could have very easily been, he's not scale. Yeah, exactly. Could have been scale actor really easily. Did you see, they went over on three things. They went over on cast. They went over on, they were actually production, shot so fast. Production, yeah, shot uh, it. I would say uh, production design is probably over. Yeah, construction of it because actually Affleck shot so fast they mm. couldn't build the sets in time, so they had to work overnight because they shot this thing in like twenty four days. Right, and then the third thing was food trucks. <laughs> That's Why a company not? I'd like to work uh, for. God, yeah, there we go. These are these are our founding principles, uh, <laughs> yeah. and I appreciate but that. Yeah. To, to Affleck's credit, it was all Duncan, <laughs> it was all sponsored. Yeah, right. So he yeah, right. that snack and bacon ate free, bro. <laughs> And all you can eat, all you can eat snack and bacon. Just God, that Dunkin' commercial with Affleck is great. Yeah. It is I will really admit. Had to, look, they had to help. When Affleck, J-Lo pulls had, up and it's like, what are you doing? That's <laughs> that's a great bit. Yeah. I will admit. Yeah. They had to keep the weight on Damon. So I get it. Um, had to, <laughs> yeah. Had to stay. That there. was another funny bit that Affleck said. He's like, I only made this so I could put Matt in a fat suit. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a, a strong play. It's a strong play. Um. We talked a little bit about the script, which is really interesting, and the production of it. I, what do we do with Damon? Or no, excuse me. What do we do with Affleck at this point as as director? Uh, He's one of my favorite directors. I'm not okay. gonna lie. Yeah, get into like, it. Let's go. Yeah, like he, 
you know, he has made, I mean, between the town and Argo and this, mm-hmm. like, there are other directors that like, and obviously like some of the real blue bloods, like really stimulate, stimulate me more, mm-hmm. maybe mm-hmm. on the first watch. Sure. But like in terms of rewatchability, Affleck's like maybe one of the better working directors mm-hmm. these days. Mm-hmm. Like he just know. I mean, maybe he's just making things for my taste, but like he is making things that I want to watch 17 times. Like I've seen sure. the town so many times. Yeah. I wouldn't even consider that like one of my favorite movies, but like I'm always down to like watch it one more time. It's like super watchable to me. Argo, I do think is one of my favorite movies. I love that movie. Mm-hmm. It's it's breathless. It's still great, even though you know what's going to happen. You're right. it's so well done. I don't think this is much of a to Ken's point earlier, like as much of a directorial masterclass as mm-hmm. maybe those in Gone Baby Gone, but like I don't know. It's like also like the fact that if this is going to be his like you know, curveball that he makes in 24 days mm-hmm. and just like, is sure. his like, this is just my resume pattern. Okay. Yeah. Absolutely. You're going to be one of the best directors in the world. <laughs> like, like if this is your, this, I wouldn't say passion project, but this is going to be me hanging out with my friends and making like a good movie. Mm-hmm. Um, cool. Do one of these every seven years. I'm in. Right. Yeah. That's, that's a really Between good way to passion projects. Right. Yeah. Cause I, again, this came about so quickly. Um, I don't know. I mean, that, again, that doesn't happen very often either. Like the spec script thing doesn't happen very often anymore. Uh, this was like a very Ron Howardy movie. Yeah, like sure. Ron's sure. kind of lost that pitch a bit. So it's uh-huh. like if Affleck every five, five years wants to try to be, you know, Scorsese, but then in between that, be Ron Howard, cool, mm-hmm. great. Here's mm-hmm. my money. Yeah, absolutely. How involved was the writer in getting Affleck involved? Was he like, when I wrote this, I wrote this for Matt? I, no, I think Affleck they just bought it. I think they just optioned it. Okay. Yeah, he said was, he said he had they had a couple of different options on the table or offers on the table, I should say, and that he trusted felt them like the this most. was yeah that this was yeah. Damon wasn't in it at that point. I don't think not as the as an actor really because he looks uh, so much like Sonny Vaccaro. It's hard to believe. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. Go, <laughs> go look up Sonny Vaccaro if you if you don't get that joke. Um, <laughs> the, uh, or watch Soul Man or whatever on the the thirty for thirties. Um, yeah. Yeah, I but to uh to to step in and kind of just do this movie all not necessarily on the fly. That's giving it a little I mean this has been in in pre-production since at least early 2022 if not late 2021. But still it almost feels like a a like a like a an old school Hollywood kind of thing of like, well, yeah. we have time so I guess I'll go make a movie. That's what I mean, it's like that kind of next that. step. Yeah. Like, I mean, those guys, you know, your PTAs and your Quentin Tarantino's, et cetera. Mm-hmm. They don't do this as much. Sure. You're crazy auteurs, but there is something to be said of like, I'm a professional director. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I'm just going to make something good every couple of years. And now I will also every once in a while have the thing I really am into. Mm-hmm. I don't think this is that, that I like totally nurse from the beginning and like make it my thing. But I'm also not going to only work every six years. So like sure. every yeah. halfway in between, I'm going to just make a professional movie. Mm-hmm. And like I feel like that's really a good sign that Affleck may have entered that area era of his career, especially mm-hmm. with this production company he's got going on. Because like you're not going to have an Argo every three right. years, like you're just, right. unless you're a total monster. So, but like the fact that he could have just put this together with this new production company, this artist equity thing, shoot it in 27 days, mm-hmm. edit it, get it out, and get 97 and 91, and make 50 million bucks. Sure. 
really good sign in terms of quantity for the next few years if he's developed this muscle, in my opinion. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Um, I was listening to the uh, that Fury Road book that you recommended a couple weeks ago, mm-hmm. Richard, and Miller, George Miller in that book, he 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 complimented like Steven Spielberg in the way that Spielberg is able to, to yeah. do two movies at a time basically. Um, and how he uses one of those movies to get a break from the other and vice versa, mm-hmm. essentially like I'm going, if I go home, all I'm going to do is think about Schindler's list. But if I right. go to the set of Jurassic, I'm, this is not a quote, obviously, but I'm not familiar with those two movies, but are you talking about the post and ready player mm-hmm. one? This yes. is what he did mm-hmm. exactly with ready player one. <laughs> I mean, with the post was he found a blacklist script that he really mm-hmm. liked yeah. and he's like I have I got 30 days here yeah. and he called up Tom Hanks and Meryl Streep yeah. and they were both available and For they sure. just wasn't that kind it. of not to compare Affleck to Steven Spielberg the, the great <laughs> director of of time but like that's catch me if you can too right mm-hmm. it was yeah, pretty yeah. much that yeah yeah it's same, like cool we're going to shoot this in 34 days like right right I love that and I think that's you know not to do the like Gladwellian blink thing but sometimes with stuff like this don't overthink it yeah, absolutely. Turn the camera on, get good actors, yeah. have a decent script. If it's not a good line, rewrite the line with some smart people, right. shoot it, absolutely. edit it. So this it doesn't was, all have to be Shakespeare. Yeah, this this was my my favorite thing about the direction. Because I'm with you, Kent. This is not like a master class in direction or anything. But it's it's very it's at best it's it, or excuse me at worst it's it's high quality directing. Yeah, you know and. Um, and all that. Maybe it has to be showy either. Yeah. See, okay. That, that's my, but that's my big point. As I was watching this thing, um, especially these monologues where Dan, I want to talk about Damon in a minute because we, we all love Damon. Mm -hmm. Um, but especially the monologues where Damon is going or the, the conversations between him and, and Viola Davis, you, you get big Oscar vibes. But what this movie, I so I guess what I'm trying to say is, as I was watching this movie, <laughs> I'm thinking um, this is such a fun, lively movie, mm-hmm. and I'm I'm so glad that they made this as a movie for April or June or something yeah. instead of a movie for yes. October, even though that may cost Matt Damon an Oscar uh, at the end yeah. of all of this because I think Damon's performance is is on that level. But the but the movie is so much better for kind of avoiding the Oscar buzz and just letting it be a fun, interesting movie with people, like you said, Kent, people in rooms talking. And and I man, I, kinda, I really appreciate that. I think it's that, great that even though it's for screenwriting, it's mm-hmm. great that Damon got that oscar early even though i think he has deserved or may at some day get an actor oscar i think he's the i to for my money he is the greatest like leading man actor mm. you know it's kind of he and leo one-on-one but i think i actually credit damon for doing more stuff because i think that's actually yeah. harder yeah um so i'm a damon guy even though i, I mean obviously Leo's great but like it's kind of great he does have he can always say Academy Award winner Matt Damon, which is so stupid that mm-hmm. this matters, but like he doesn't have to Amy Adams it. Yeah. Like he can just be like, Yeah, I'm just gonna be good and stuff. And if you want to release Ford vs. Ferrari in September and sure. release this in April, I don't I'm not chasing it. Right. I don't have to do that. Yeah. I'm absolutely. not Joel Embiid. Embi- Joel like I can just do stuff that's good and cool. If I get awarded, great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't ever feel like he's doing that, which is awesome. Cause I not even like 
doting on him if he didn't have that Goodwill Hunting writing Oscar, even though it's for a different discipline. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I actually feel like he'd chase it more. For sure. Yeah. He he never feels like he's chasing the award. And I no. love that about him. I mean, and again, I, I'm with you. I love Leonardo DiCaprio, but like Leo doesn't show up in Euro Trip, you know? And and I know that was twenty <laughs> yeah. plus years ago, so maybe Sure. Yeah, maybe Leo would have twenty years ago. He but, should win an Oscar for the yeah, Kimmel. But he doesn't show I think up. They said he almost bit. showed up in this is the end. Of course he didn't. But right. Right. Awesome. Exactly. You have all the stories about what Leo almost did but didn't instead mm-hmm. of or I mean Instead of being uh, less Grossman like Tom Hanks or excuse me Tom Cruise yeah. in in uh, Tropic Thunder or but it's not even you have to do it comedic no for sure, just... for sure for sure for sure but 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 up to the Revenant I mean we we all yeah. said post Revenant like gosh now I'm excited to see what what Leo mm-hmm. is gonna do because it's it he's got this off his back and he can yeah just go and and to me I think the most maybe the most fun movie he's ever done is once upon a time in Hollywood. And that's the, yeah. you know, the next thing really that comes after the revenant. So, um, yeah, I think, I think, I think you're onto something there. Kent I, w- finish this out with, with director talk and then let's, I, I don't know. We've already sort of verged into Damon, but, yeah. uh, I love that they decided that he decided to play this for an entertaining movie and we'll just let it speak for itself rather than, um, push this for an October or November release and make it more Oscar. Does that, where yeah. where do you fall on that? Do you think? I mean, are you with me that the vibe would have been to- would have been totally different if they had decided this is Oscar time and we're gonna we're gonna go for it? I, I maybe, don't know. maybe I'm yeah. I I don't necessarily think they were thinking let's make this serious Oscar-y or more entertaining. I think they just made what they made, um, mm-hmm. and the release happened when it did. Uh, so I have a couple things on the direction. Please, first of all, uh, one thing I did love was not having Michael Jordan in it at all. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Showing the back of his head, not making that a thing. Cause that's people would be thinking, hey, does that look like him? It's just one more thing to add yes. on. Yeah. And for them to realize, I don't know if this was in the script or if Damon, uh, I mean, I keep saying Damon when I mean, Affleck, I know right? I get the them mixed up. How, yeah. how is that possible? Mm-hmm. Uh, Affleck worked out was, Hey, this is not Michael Jordan's movie. This yes. is about Nike. And yes, this is a bigger thing. And so I, I quickly realized that that was a, a stroke of genius on the directorial side and how so many directors would, could say, let's go meet Michael. Let's go see what Michael's up to and mm-hmm. focus more on that and, and his role in all this. But I love the way they played that. Something I didn't love. I mean, my qualms are more on the minor side. Like I just thought there were so many establishing shots. How many times did they show the Nike building, the mm-hmm. Nike mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, logos it was just a lot uh, on that side i think could have could have trimmed that down uh he doesn't have like a definable style quality that he brings like i think affleck brings much more to the table working mm-hmm. with actors writing the script working yeah. that out than he does like what he can see through a camera and what his mind yeah. tells him will look the best Real fast, I think in hindsight, I'm with you, Richard, and Argo. I think is an incredible film. Um, I think he was he was really smart to make Argo when he did because you go from Gone Baby yeah. Gone to the town. If you do one more Boston centric mo- movie, you you become the Boston director guy, yeah. and you know Argo obviously is a, has nothing to do with with that whole setting. And 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 I think you're right, Ken. Now I, he doesn't have a definitive a style, a thing that you look for when you go to an Affleck movie. And I think that that is a good thing. I think it makes him 
You can, I mean, look, Spielberg has, Spielberg's my favorite and there, you know, there are definable Spielbergian qualities that you look for in every Spielberg movie and stuff like that. But it's cool to do, to be able to do this too and just kind of bounce around and do, just do quality. You're, if your calling card is just, I make good movies except for that one that nobody remembers that I did, then. Um, which he still maintains is his best which is a great i love that take by him so funny yeah yeah it's a i guess i get bummed anytime i leave a movie and i'm like man that one shot was just awesome you know sure it didn't really happen in the in this movie yeah Uh, i think he can have i he'll he'll have that that's i think he does like i think he could have hired roger deakins to shoot this and then we would have had that you know i don't think i think it's more about what this movie was and that's not this isn't that kind of movie you know his, you know, Birdman. That's like, oh mm-hmm. my god! Like I directed the crap out of that, and it's so good. He obviously has great taste. That seems to be his sure. Yeah. Um, Colin Carter's director, right? In in terms of, you know, work with. But I, I do think great point by you, Kent. Like sometimes that does get uh, conflated with like a great cinematographer, especially mm-hmm. when it's an actor jumping in director right. directing. Right. They're like, look at that shot. He knew how to do that. Yeah. Okay. This isn't that cinematography showing, but like he worked with the crap out of these ask mm-hmm. actors. He really mm-hmm. did all this, and and this shouldn't be showy. It'd be absurd if he's like Soderberghing all over the spot with <laughs> his Michael Jordan's mom mm-hmm. and Sonny Vaccaro biopic. You know what I mean? Right. So like, I think I love the restraint. It's actually a great artistic choice. Now I'm not saying this is like. Uh, whatever, but like this is a real. I'm telling you, this is a great sign that he has this pitch. Yeah, I agree like, with you. Yeah, for sure. Because he's he's smart enough. He's going to have the showy directorial thing. I think we got a bit of, bit of that with Argo. Mm-hmm. But even that was a bit restrained. I think the town actually is probably his loudest directorial movie. Yeah, Live by Night. It, that exists, and that's a thing. But the, the he will have. You know, he may have his Interstellar or whatever at mm-hmm. some point, but. But uh, I love again. I just love that he has this muscle that he can just like because I I think he's someone not to get into his like personal demons and stuff that like. But I do think he's someone that likes to be busy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and if he sure. has, if he can just do this every eighteen months, like awesome. And then wait for the the when he wants to make his I don't know Kevin Millar biopic. That's going to be his <laughs> passion project. Yeah. It's going to be great. Yeah. <laughs> Cowboy up, a Kevin Millar story. Yeah. Don't let us get to game five. That's right. That's right. Um, let's talk about let's one more thing on the direction, Brian. Please, uh, yeah. Uh-huh. The did you guys feel this? I definitely felt this. Did you feel a definable Ted Lasso energy in this movie? Yeah. Look, I I think it's. I think the thing that we are maybe defining as because I've seen this not just with this movie with a lot of things recently, and I'm I'm here for it. It's great. I think the thing that we are defining as a Ted Lasso feel is just like positivity. That's it. Yeah. It's just, we went, we went, we've gone through a really difficult, awful, dark period of history. And we're still, we're still in, we're still in it. But like the. Brian's doing this podcast wearing a mask. (laughs) That's right. Uh, But like the socioeconomic (laughs) political climate that we have been in, as of late and then mixed with the pandemic and all this sort of stuff. And then mixed with even our superhero movies are dark and edgy and, and all this kind of thing. Um, Ted Lasso comes out and it is a show that is really built on kindness and positivity and, and, um, and heart. 
when something comes out that does feel light and energetic, uh, and mm-hmm. and positive, it, I'm not. I mean, this is not just you, can't. This is a this is a societal thing of like, oh, it's very Ted Lassoy. Oh, and I mean, you're not yeah, you're not I, wrong I, at all. I just mean that is a. I think that's just a sign of like, hey, like this made me feel good and positivity is sure. Yeah. Sure, I think maybe. And, Ted Lasso was the first thing that made me feel good for a while. And, and so now kind of everything is associated with that. Besides for you, LVT, (laughs) that's what you call Lars von Trier. But yeah, yeah. but that's not for everyone. Yeah. Brian has a parody song. He's like, you down with LVT? Yeah, you know me. (laughs) Yes. Maybe it's some of that. Maybe it's the editing, the way it was shot, the Mm -hmm. colors. It was just, it just had a very, it just reminded me of that. I just felt like I was watching a, a long uh, Ted Lasso, which is not not a bad thing. When Michael sure. Jordan slaps the believe sign on the way out, I thought that <laughs> I think was it a was little, the honestly the what I thought. I think it was is like the main office in mm. in the Nike headquarters reminded me of like the locker room set in okay, Ted Lasso. Sure. That's a lot. Yeah, I can see how that. they would kind of go into the common area and then go back in the office and come back mm-hmm. in the common area. That that whole dynamic mm-hmm. is probably what triggered it the most. For That's me, fair, but yeah, wanted mm-hmm. to get y'all's opinion. Yeah. I like that uh, on that. How did you feel about the tension in the movie? Because this to me is so tough. When you know, when you go into a movie knowing how it ends, the audience, mm-hmm. we know he gets the shoe deal. We're, we're wearing Jordans to the theater, right? So mm-hmm. it's always tough when you know the Titanic A6, sinks, but- when you know Apollo 13 is going to crash right. down in the ocean, yes. right? Yes. And yeah. to build and to watch those two movies every time and still feel like, oh my God, maybe it doesn't sink. Maybe mm-hmm. they missed the iceberg this time. Maybe right. they don't make it back in Apollo 13. Like I thought, I was like, maybe he does sign with Converse. You know, like <laughs> I had that thought in the movie and that sure. was amazing. Yeah, it's, it's really well done on that front. I think that that, that was what I was going to take us to is the, is the story element of that and and the, the way the direction ties into the story and, and how this plays out. It's it's very well done on the front. I, I genuinely, I think that is one of the, Greatest things you can do um, in a movie is to create tension and drama out of something that you you know the outcome of. And uh, Apollo 13 is an incredible example, maybe the best example in, in, in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Uh, but this does it too. A- and manages to get tension both without sacrificing the entertainment value of, of the, uh, the movie, but also in a relatively low stakes thing. Like no one's going to die if he goes to sign with Converse <laughs> yeah. or Adidas or whatever else. It's a, it's a relatively low stakes affair here. And yet it's, it's, there's a lot of tension there. Bateman do, brings a lot of that. Um, to, yeah. I think to the forefront, he's kind of, I thought he was, he was sort of a, a perfect, uh, a perfect playoff of, of Matt Damon. Cause he brings Damon with Vaquero has this like kind of, intensity and energy and um i mean if you know anything about sonny vaccaro he's he's an a-hole and that's part of why he's maybe a big part of why he is successful he's tenacious and um and all this sort of stuff and then uh uh, rob uh uh, strasser uh, Mm -hmm. you know is uh, as far as history is concerned is a lesser player in this thing bateman's use of i always comment on bateman's pauses and his the way he's able to kind of go slow on stuff. I think that that is just, it was a really great way to, um, to emphasize 
the intensity and and the tenacity and whatnot that Damon is bringing as as Vaquero. I thought I love Man, the, the combo uh, of those two. When he knocks on his window and just shuts the curtain on him, that was <laughs> such a funny yeah, moment. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But like, there's there's not too many. There's maybe three scenes in the movie where it's just the two of them, and those I think are some of the best scenes in the movie because you absolutely you just are. have these two guys talking. The 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 sort it's not really a monologue, but the dialogue that Strasser has um with Vicaro about like I think you're a little flippant with this because like it may not you get fired, but like I don't yeah, get it's to like, see I need my this kid, job. You know? Yeah. yeah <laughs> I, I don't see my I mean that was like a whew, okay. Now there's some stakes, you know, that we're adding to a movie that I just said, like has low stakes. And uh, I thought that was that was so well done. I love this story. Um, I think anybody who we like like we said at the outset, we are all sports business dorks that love this stuff. Um, I think Phil Knight's autobiography or business, whatever mm-hmm. it is, one of the best of that of that genre. Mm-hmm. Uh, a few years ago, called Shoe Dog. Great, great book. Um, and he got into some of this stuff, but but this is also kind of the. This story is kind of the stuff of legend um, if you pay attention to this kind of thing, like knowing the history of Jordan with Adidas and the stuff with, uh, they just barely touch on like the Dean Smith, his mom, Dolores, Mm -hmm. all this kind of stuff. Um, How did you think they handled the story aspect of this, Richard? The historical aspect of it, I guess. Very well in terms of what they included and more importantly, what they left out. Mm -hmm. Okay. Because there's a lot, you know, this is fine you don't have to it's not a nine episode yeah 30 for 30 like you know to me it was like the best version you know when you (laughs) when you're watching the draft and then you flip over to the abc coverage of the draft and you're like what the heck is going on with this it's like all human interest Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. it was like the better version of that sure yeah okay that's a good way to put it yeah i can't i don't know how familiar you are with this backstory and all all of this stuff but but i agree. i'm with richard i thought that was one of the better parts of it was just knowing what highlights you need to hit within this story to make this work yes. as a movie without getting into the minutia that that you know shoe and sports business dorks like yes. us are going to be like yeah i love this stuff um, but making it to where it's something that my dad can go watch because he doesn't really care about that stuff. You know? There were three th- things that I kind of wanted this to hit. One, why did Nike decide on Michael Jordan? I mm-hmm. think they played that really well. I love the scene yeah. in the beginning where they're just throwing out player names. Why Why this? Why that? That was a very money ball. Uh, yeah, that's a very interesting thing. Scene. Yeah, very money ball. Great call. Yeah. Uh, and like it's obvious to us, it's Michael Jordan. But right, it's right, right, important right. to get in that thing. Important to know, like, like these are very all, good young yeah, player. Yeah, could be right. John Stockton, nobody's sure about that guy. <laughs> you know that that was good. Charles Barkley, no one wants to no one wants to see him on TV. That was a good line, I thought, <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. Uh, so I wanted it to hit Charles. that. I wanted some background on the design of the Jordan. Yeah, on how they same. made the freaking shoe. Sure, uh, that that was the one thing that I was like, if they don't cover this, I'll be legit let down. Like background on the design, why things are the way they were. I thought mm-hmm. they nailed that with the comedic element. I thought that was extremely well done. My probably my favorite element of the movie. And then why Jordan picks Nike. Yeah, yep. and they nailed that at the end for sure. So I thought it hit all those three things I was looking for. Yeah, I was really glad they they did uh making 
making uh, Peter Moore, the designer, um, uh, like an important character in this. Uh, I love that. I it was that was something mm-hmm. I thought we might just even for the sake of of time and compression, like we might lose that. But focusing so much on the design and the shoe itself, I loved that. I thought that was a great note because genuine. I mean, for the three of us at our age, having grown up around sports and stuff like that, genuinely, that's the most important moment mm-hmm. in shoe history um, from, I don't know, at least from like the, the Converse All-Star on. Deal. I mean, for what, you know, for 30, 40 years from when the, the, the Converse All-Star came. I mean, that's a, that's a monumental moment in culture. Uh, and it's sh- certainly in sneaker culture, but sneaker culture touches so much of mm-hmm. the rest of culture now. Um, and that was not the, that wasn't the way it wasn't, that wasn't how it was in, in, in 1984, certainly with basketball shoes, basketball sneakers, every basketball shoe that has been designed since 1984 is in some way or another inspired by, by the Air Jordan. And so I thought that that was a really important, especially if you're going to do the Michael Jordan's off screen, we never see his face, which I think was a really smart decision. If you're going to make this about Nike and the and the shoe, mm-hmm. then make it about the shoe. And they, gosh, they did that very, very well. Um, I think I that was the, the thing that surprised me the most from this thing was that they really grasped the importance of the shoe, not just the company and not just the person who's in it. I, I, that was a really cool uh, note that, that, that they spent f- 5, 10, 15 minutes on that uh, I think could have gotten forgotten easily. In, in lesser hands. I thought the line from the designer where he's like, it's like it's always existed was so spot on because it's, that's what good design does. It's like, it, it's just, it just comes out of the ether. It's like, it's, mm-hmm. it's an iPhone. The iPhone design just, it always seems so obvious, you know, when a good design comes out and that's the way the Jordans felt. It's a timeless design. It's still as popular and as cool looking in 2023 as it's ever been. Yeah, mm-hmm. talk sure. about the forty years of like fashion relevancy. Has that yes. ever happened? <laughs> it's a remarkable achievement um, for both for both form and function. The way that you know it's it's, mm-hmm. it's talked about um, in the movie here, and yeah, I I thought that was a that was a, a really nice stroke. I the I stroke really of genius too was the uh, them having one shoe in the pitch. Yeah. Yeah, because it got I had no idea about that. It's like that you day. don't want to give yeah. them options. It's one, <laughs> one shoe, yeah. and that was so. Uh-huh. That's such a sales move that I would have never thought of. Yeah, paying the fine was a great, great bit. Yeah. That was a really smart play. Mm-hmm. Um, historically speaking, that worked out obviously very, very well, um, and help kind of make, kind of help create shoe culture again, which is uh, you know a huge part of this. The acting. And then I don't I don't know how much else I have, and we can we can get out of here. Damon was incredible. This was mm-hmm. uh, Damon is one of those guys now that that when you say oh that was one of the best performances of of his career, you are talking about a lot of of very good performances that you are stacking this up against. Um, as I said, I think that this very if this came out in November and was geared towards Oscars, which it may still because we've I mean. You know, the we best got, picture yeah, winner Co- last Dakota. year came out in March, you know, so yep. um, we, we may be at a different place and I would love that. I think that would be fantastic. It, it definitely, if this ends up in the hands of, uh, 
I don't know, Joe Wright or, or, uh, somebody like that. This, it's, it's way more melodramatic and it plays and to, to the Oscars and some of the camera angles would be a little bit different and all that sort of stuff. If this came out in November, I feel like we would definitely be saying that's, that's probably the, the acting performance of the year. That's at least that's a major contender for, uh, for best actor. I thought he was genuinely, I thought he was great in this, in this movie. Um, where did, where'd you fall on? Where does this stand as as compared to some of the other great moments in in his career, Richard? It's uh, I th- I think it will be paired with Ford v Ferrari mm. as this kind of even though it was a few years ago. I think that this will be kind of thought of as an era of him as a middle aged leading man, but with some kind of you know a little more. I don't know if it's necessarily his dad movie run or whatever, but mm. I think this will be that. Those two are definitely an era to me. Sure. Uh, both I love his performances, but they're very different performances. I love, well, I mean, I guess they're similar in some ways too. He's really, he's great. I mean, he's, he is, he hit a rough patch a couple years ago where he had like four bad movies. Mm. And those are literally like the first four bad movies. Yeah. <laughs> like a 25 year career. Like that guy was on such an understated heater in terms of picking what to do because he's, a, you know, he's big enough where he gets to pick what to do. And his taste in terms of, what was good, who he wanted to work with. And he's talked about this um, and what he was capable of doing. Cause I don't think, you know, he's not, you know, Daniel Day Lewis, but he's, mm-hmm. he's really good at finding things in his, you know, in his key as an actor that he knows how to sing the parts of. And, and a lot of that was because, and he's been cool about this. I mean, like, yeah, I got lucky with Bourne and that just, mm-hmm. like, I just knew I could take wild swings and do cool movies because every 36 months I could just make a Bourne movie and I'd be fine. And so I think I think there's a, there he's had a really interesting career because of the flexibility that afforded him. Obviously, the born well is at least temporarily dry, maybe probably dry forever. Mm-hmm. And um, he's kind of entered this new phase, and I think it's going to be, a, you know, a little more hit and miss. But those hits will be there because he's mm-hmm. awesome. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, this and Ford v Ferrari are certainly there for sure. I thought the one of my favorite scenes in the movie at the beginning i don't know i didn't know this part of the story i'm sure you guys did about james worthy yeah and that play and mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. him analyzing that play i thought was you know breathtaking on it is goosebump movie uh, yeah. stuff you know that, I thought that ruled was, and him and explaining that was just awesome i right. love that moment i, I man i want to i'm glad you brought that up because just if if the listener will allow just like a basketball nerd moment um that was such a fun little, almost an aside. They build a great scene out of it. But the deal with Jordan was like, there was a like a running bit when he was in college that like the only, what was the, the line was like the only, the only defense against Michael Jordan is Dean Smith, his coach. Mm-hmm. Um, the only person who's stopping Michael Jordan from scoring 40 is Dean yeah, Smith. Yeah, that was the line. Because uh, Dean Smith was just this legendary coach and he, you know, was... I mean, the, the uh, Mount Rushmore of of college basketball coaches, but also yeah. he ran his system, and you better fit his system, and that's kind of the end of it. And that is a huge monumental moment in in Michael Jordan's history, in in what becomes Michael Jordan, not just mm-hmm. Michael Jordan, good basketball player, but Michael Jordan, maybe the best athlete of all, team sport athlete of all time. Um, there's this huge moment in his freshman year when they, they that's exactly what happens. They run 
they need a bucket and they run the they have the guy who would be the number one pick in the draft that year um and they run the play for Michael Jordan. Dean Smith runs the play for Michael Jordan. Like it's a huge huge thing and I they I love building a scene out of that because it kind of that's almost like an inside joke for people mm. who really care about basketball and know some of the history of all this stuff is like it's not just Vaccaro breaking down this play. It's like sort of a stand in for all of the, you add that to like him talking to that cashier at the seven 11 and that guy being like, Hey, he's not going to, he's what 17 points in college. That's 10 points in the NBA. Like it's not going to, it's not going to translate. Um, that was a fun, those were fun little Easter eggs almost, um, which, yep. you know, you don't really get in a movie like this typically, I feel like, but I, I yeah. they weren't too gaggy. For sure, Kent, yes. To your point earlier, like they could have been, that could have been real, like, oh, it's cute, and then I roll you by the second one. Yeah. But they were written and executed really well. Yeah, I love that. And love the other moment that. from Damon at the end when he just wings the speech is Gosh, fantastic awesome. as well. And <laughs> yeah. the bit about Phil Knight coming in late and the way they played that <laughs> was yeah. so funny. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Yeah. Affleck is, I mean... He's not going to get the props for it because Matt Damon was awesome. Viola Davis was incredible. Uh, Bateman was incredible. I thought Messina as David Falk was really funny too. They used him perfectly because mm-hmm. that guy is one of the world class d bags, um, <laughs> and uh, used him used him really well. Affleck playing Phil Knight as just a big old dork is <laughs> yeah. great. Like that was a very funny. Yeah, that's he was exactly what it is. You know, it was it was very good, very good. Sometimes on the only director that can direct Ben Affleck is Ben Affleck. Sure, it's like, for sure. Yeah, I, so, I think, and David Fincher, man, God, he's <laughs> right, good in Gone exactly, Girl. God, exactly. I love Gone Girl so much. <laughs> exactly. Um, really well done on that. Um, you mentioned that monologue. If if and when this comes up, award season, that's the that's yeah. the scene that plays. Um, but it, the thing about that can't is like, I I love a scene where I know. I am being manipulated and I'm just freaking into it. I'm just like, yep, let's go. Like I'm totally fine to be manipulated because it, when he turns off so the uh, yeah. presentation, so good. Oh my dude. gosh. That was so amazing. I yeah. was like, God, that's yeah. exactly what everyone was thinking. And yeah, he's like, I can't do it. Nope. Nope. And he just wings it. And gosh, he, yeah. that's like big, a stand up. Big Don Draper vibes. I loved yeah. it. Yeah. It was yeah. Very, for sure. Very the good. Carousel. Yeah. That was awesome. So good. Um, Viola Davis was incredible. She's she's always incredible. She's her screen presence is remarkable. Um, I was very touched by the way they that the movie used her, and then like the 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 quick asides to James Jordan, his dad, and you know knowing how that played out and how how important his dad was to Michael and and everything that came out of that with his 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 murder and stuff like that. I thought that was very. Mm-hmm. Um, sweetly, kind of classily done. Um, mm-hmm. just giving him a presence there without making the movie about. And I think in in lesser hands, again, both of those characters could have been sloppy, really sloppy, and 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 could have gotten to a place where you kind of feel gross about it if you know uh mm-hmm. the background and the story and whatnot with with his dad. But God, Viola Davis is so good. The the couple of scenes where the two of them are talking just. Uh, Viola Davis and, and Matt Damon are those are those are some great scenes, man. They they uh, those will be ones that I remember um, at the end of this year, and there, there'll be ones that I uh, when I put this when I inevitably put this on in the background and rewatch for the thousandth time, you know, as I'm writing or 
or working on something, those will be some of the scenes where I kind of stop and, and really pay attention because they're the, the energy and the focus there is so good. Um, something else that stood out to me about that, Brian is she calls Sonny to say, all right, we're, we're going with Nike and you know, he's fist pumping and everything. And then you have this almost epilogue tension scene with her saying, but, but we want, you know, a percentage of the shoe. And then you Mm -hmm. have this other whole tension that plays out. It's like, man, could this sideline the deal? And you're thinking again, could he not go with Nike? It's Mm -hmm. amazing. They pulled Mm -hmm. it over on us again. Yeah. I liked that last little struggle at the end because it very well could have ended. She calls up, we got the deal. And then everyone's high-fiving and credits roll. Sure. And that, but I liked yeah. that that one, uh, oh, we're not done yet. One more thing at the very end. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And how that plays into student athletes today and right. you know people getting credit for their own name and image and all that. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I like yeah. how they played that. It for created sure. like a whole economy. Not yeah. just mm-hmm. a shoe. And Sonny Vaccaro's involvement in that was a mm-hmm. nice aside too. For sure. For sure. Very well done. Very well done overall. Um, enjoyable movie. Making that, making a movie that that I think can play to a lot of audiences with varying levels of interest in the sport and the sports business and industry and stuff. I think is a really successful. Like I'm, I'm, I'm genuinely, genuinely impressed by the way this whole thing um, came together and and it was done. So. Um, I don't have anything else. You guys got anything you want to add or we want to grade this thing? And do we Just a small thing is, I guess Nike was okay with this being called Air. I guess they don't own the rights to that in a basketball context. That surprised me. Sure. And they couldn't put Michael Jordan's name anywhere in it, obviously. So it's courting a legend. Mm-hmm. Which they could have just called this thing Air instead of courting a legend. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. That's good. That's good. Good little montage at the beginning there. Good. Good. Uh, I would say this also did a pretty solid job of making it very clear that this is 1984 without like just hammering you over the head with 1984 references. Yeah, uh, there was there was a lot of that, but like it was done su- in such a fun way. It yeah, was honestly, like I feel like they actually did hammer it. Not, the, I'm not arguing with you. I think you're the the feeling kind of out of it's right, but like they did hammer it home, and it was done in such a like funny elegant way that sure. it wasn't annoying yeah it was that's all like a, jokes right. like uh this is going to be funny in 30 years you know but they don't know it now that kind of thing <laughs> yeah sure yeah it, i felt like i guess what i would say is i felt like everything was done either organically or very funny to where you're like yeah you will allow it because it wasn't just like okay yeah. we get it like yeah. this is the 80s we're rolling our eyes about it um i thought that was Coke that was strong was so good back then all right let's grade it <laughs> yeah okay for me, this is, I'm going to give it a straight A, uh, and it will be, I think we'll be contender at the end of the year, which is always good. Always good to say in April. Uh, RB, what about you? What's your grade? Yeah, A for me as well. I mean, I could see some of the other Affleck stuff has, has grown to my estimation sure. the more I rewatch Same. it, as Same. I was talking about earlier. So it could totally be an A plus in four years from now. Like, I liked it that much, but it's a solid A for me right now. Okay. Kent? I like that. I'm with you. Kent, what about you? Yeah, solid A for me. And. Forgot to mention the needle drops. Some great ones. Yeah. REO yeah. Speedwagon. Nice little dire straits at the beginning. A lot of violent fans. Can't go wrong yeah. with some Mark Knopfler yeah. guitar yeah. to start off a movie. Mm-hmm. Good. Yeah. Yeah. Good good needle drops that weren't like most of them. There were a few. There were a few that, that were sympathy for the devil level. But but for the most part, 
you know, blister in the sun. Like that's a not necessarily a deep cut, but that's not that's a, a major very cut. odd. I was like, was that out yeah. in '84? Do they care? Yeah, I did the exact same thing. I I was like, that feels anachronistic. Nope, came out in '83. I looked it up like during the movie. Like, okay, wow, I thought would have thought like '95. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I mean, Violent Femmes has such a weird career that yeah. they have had these weird pockets of. I just heard like, that song so much quote unquote, in the, in the yeah, mid '90s the Ed on the radio stuff in the mid '90s. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Yeah. yeah, for sure. Okay. All right, Kent, did we get your grade? I'm sorry. Yeah, A, A for me. Okay, three A's. Love it. Solid movie. I had a good time with it. This will, uh, this will. I think this definitely comes up again at the end of the year, um, in some capacity. So I hope it doesn't. Yeah, that'd be awesome. Rockstar year. Yeah, be great. Be great if this was not in a a a top thirteen or fourteen movies of the year. That'd be awesome. That was a Bill Simmonsy kind of way to put that. (laughs) You know, I did have chicken parm this week, so uh, okay, it happens. Yeah, it happens to the best of us. Okay, let's do a quick, a quick, quick weekly recommends. Weekly recommends. Kent, I'm coming to you first. What is your weekly recommend? Total guilty pleasure. Uh, turn off your brain type show. Love is blind. No, but um, did you guys experience the live stream thing? Because I have a uh, married to someone who yeah. <laughs> really wanted to watch the. Uh, season finale reunion whatever it was on Same. netflix yeah. and they completely crapped the bed and it didn't work at all <laughs> that's the, yeah the first time the as netflix starts experience square running with live right with, with they did the chris, chris rock, rock thing, thing live and that yeah. worked i don't think the interest i don't know was what high. what was yeah i think Sadly, they, the demand was too high for this they didn't yeah. calculate the server usage correctly and and it never once worked and yeah. I woke up the next morning and yeah, they lost a billion dollars in the stock market. So I'd like to be that guy showing up to the office the next morning. At least we weren't him. So that's <laughs> nice. Um, that's, uh, that's not the recommend though. That's a good one. I've heard that's a good turn off your brain show. A lot of friends big, are into that big one. Big player in my house, but I, yes. I'm not, I ain't built I, I watched a, cu- a couple seasons ago. I think it was the first season I watched a little bit of it. I was like, this is Love so Love the wild. concept. I'm a big guy on these dumb reality shows. I'm like, yeah, great gag. Love the gag on this. I cannot watch. Yeah, no chance. Yeah, but I, I'm here for it. I'm so glad you've got a great racket going. Like, keep doing what you're doing. But I'm out. Yeah. That's kind of how I am. But I think once you're in with the first episode, like it takes takes over you. Sure. No, it I get pulls it. you. You, yeah. you want to know what happens to these? No people. judgment. Yes. Uh, but anyway, what's my your, recommend yeah. is Doomsday Preppers, guys. You watch oh, this? Oh, nice. <laughs> Total guilty. Pleasure. Ellen and These I talked about this on like so one of the funny. very oh my God. first episodes uh, in the pandemic where I was doing like the daily recommend thing. This was her wreck, and this is a great call, kid. This is such a. Have you watched it? Yeah, I'm like it's I haven't greatness. seen. It's not as it doesn't. Uh, it doesn't hit the completionist in my brain. It's like oh, that's on. I can throw that on or like you this know, is oh, such cool. a Brian uh, throwing on the background. Yeah, type show. for sure. Oh my gosh. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. And the way they break it up, they have like four different people per episode. So it's not just like one episode focuses on one crazy person. They, they stack it pretty full uh, in it. And man, it is it is pretty wild. Do you think these people are basically convinced that the world is going to end in some kind of way? So they're preparing their homes and families for such an event. And they've stockpiled food. They've built bunkers. They've got weapons it's it's pretty intense uh and quite funny at times so doomsday preppers check that one out nice on that geo 
channel. <laughs> that's good. That's good. That's a, that is a great background throwaway show. That's, that's, that's a good call. Um, Arby, what's your weekly recommend, my friend? Yeah, man, I've been under it with, with everything. So I, I, I haven't, uh, ingested much content, uh, the last seven days, but I will say, I don't know why this sounded really Canadian when I said that I haven't, uh, inge- ingested much content the last seven days there, bud, but, uh, <laughs> we'll say, yeah, I will say though, it's, uh, you know, kind of been a little dry on the content front, but, uh, um, but I, I did start, uh, Ted Lasso season three, so Woo-hoo! I'm a little behind on it, but I'm getting there. And so, yeah, so I'll just recommend that. It's easy when we talked about it earlier in the episode. So Ted Lasso season three, it's, uh, I mean, it seems like we're going down a good path. So I'm excited. Nice. Good call. Good call there. I'm all caught up. That's, that's about the only show I never get to watch at night of cause Wednesday night we have, I have work laid and then I record my other podcast during that night and so by the time i'm done Lindsay's already asleep but that's in the first chance we get thursday all right we gotta knock this out i gotta i gotta know what's going on so that i don't get it spoiled for me um okay good i'm glad you're i'm glad you're catching up um my weekly recommend is a tv show as well that came out uh, on netflix i think at the beginning of the year i'm pretty sure i recommended this when it had its first season it's last chance you uh basketball a lot of people watched the last chance you football um when it was in its kind of heyday mm-hmm. a few years ago. Yeah. I hated that show because I hated the coach so much. I thought he was just mm-hmm. a despicable, terrible person. Um well, this is a college coach, so Yeah, oh for sure. Time. But like even for a college coach, it, no, it, yeah, it felt yeah. like ugh, just kind of want to take a shower after every episode because he just it just was super, super crappy. Um Basketball one is about a community college in, in Los Angeles, East LA community college. Uh, and their coach is the exact opposite. He's incredible. His name is John Mosley. Just great dude. Um, the first season ended with COVID like their end of season tournament got canceled because of COVID. Um, and then they ended up not being able to play at all the next season. And so this is, they took like, they had to take a full year off and this is the, the second season of the show. Um, and it's really fascinating to watch the first season where everybody on the team is somebody who is like really just desperate to get out, you know, and to, if I can get to a college, then I can get my degree and I can have a professional life after basketball is over. Um, and they're all pretty realistic about that. And then this season, it's pretty clear that he was he he got bigger recruits because of the show um, on Netflix. And so he's got like four or five guys who are all uh, who were all big quote unquote big name recruits at one point or another. Like one of the guys on the show was a huge big signing for Washington university and then he transferred to lsu and now he's at la community east la community college and um, another guy is like his dad played in the nba so he just he has this like huge weight that he feels like he has to make it to the nba or you know he's he's a failure and he's playing at a community college you know and um it's and and it's interesting to see the difference between the difference for the, for Mosley, the coach in working with that first team versus working with this team and trying to figure all this stuff out. And so, uh, it's a really, I love the show. It's really well done. Obviously it's like hard knocks where, you know, the cameras get everything and stuff. Um, but it's, it's their whole season. I think it's eight episodes. It might be 10. 
on Netflix. And uh, it's, gosh, it's just, it's so well done. And, and I think the coach is really easy to root for and stuff. And you kind of get locked into these kids' lives. It's just, and of course they do a great job of like, here's this guy, he's kind of a douche. And then four episodes in, we're going to do 15 minutes on his life. And you're just like, oh my gosh, this poor child, you know? <laughs> and it just totally, totally turns you around and everything kind of puts everything into perspective. But uh, it's really, really well done. So Last Chance You season two on Netflix is my recommend this week. So if you're a Hard Knocks Boom. fan or All or Nothing or one of those, it's uh, it'll be up your alley. So nice. check that out. All right, boys, this was fun. Thank you for being here. Thank you for listening. Um, if you liked this episode, then what, you, what I want you to do is go to madaboutmoviespodcast.com slash VIP. Sign up for our VIP feed there. It's five bucks a month. Uh, you'll get access to another episode every single week. We do a throwback or a retrospective episode. Uh, this week, we will be talking about Forgetting Sarah Marshall, one of my favorite movies from uh, from the 2000s. And, uh, and you'll also get access to all our back catalog of throwback and retrospective episodes which is in the hundreds at this point, tons of bonus content, had somebody in the discord today say that they've, they spent the last few days at work listening to all our AMAs from the past. And, uh, which was, which is a fun time that we've done many times over here in, in that VIP feed. And you get access to our exclusive discord. You can talk to us and hundreds of movie fans from around the world about movies and everything else all day long every day so do that madabymoviespodcast.com slash VIP thank you so much for being here we'll be back next week I believe talking Ari Aster's bow is afraid stay safe we'll see you soon hey baby I hear the blues are calling tossed salads and scrambled eggs and maybe I seem a bit confused yeah maybe but I got you pegged but I don't know what to do with those tossed salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again. Scrambled eggs all over my face. They're making me ya ya. The salads and scrambled eggs. They're calling again.